My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. I'd like to welcome my guest, Dustin Berg, founder and executive director of Go Unlimited, a nonprofit organization that creates adaptive sporting and outdoor adventure opportunities so that people can experience the freedom from their disabilities. Uh, now, Dustin, how, when did you guys get started with Go Unlimited? Yeah, hey, Sean. Um, so we got started in 2005. Um, I was, I was uh, always just an avid outdoor outdoorsman i mean everything like outdoors hunting fishing rock climbing snowboarding everything and in 2003 i had a a motorcycle wreck and and mm-hmm. that and i broke my back at the t7 vertebra and it took me a couple of years and after you know after those couple of years and meeting a bunch of people i realized something else uh not like for myself, I needed to get outdoors, but I also could help other people. So in 2005, that's when I started the nonprofit long name, global opportunities unlimited, but, uh, we kind of go by go unlimited, an acronym of hmm. sort. What type of programs did you, uh, offer for it? In the very beginning? I mean, we kind of started out with a lot of like, uh, children's fishing trips and stuff. Uh, we're doing a lot of stuff for, for, uh, kids and kind of organizing volunteers and doing, now I guess mostly fishing trips, uh, a few hunting outings. Um, and that was in 2005, which, you know, right now it's 2022. So the programming has grown like exponentially since then. Yeah. Uh, where now we're doing all kinds of different stuff, but that's kind of how we started. Yeah. So you started 2005 i was being 19 when that when that you started yeah, yeah my dog's it's probably sends from my brother <laughs> <laughs> oh that's right i love yeah. dogs but yeah no i uh yeah i was 21 so yeah. when i started it yeah yeah you gotta love that was a that age start <laughs> and yeah you said you were just starting with fishing uh you're out in New Mexico, so was it local lakes only or anywhere else? Yeah, pretty much local lakes, rivers, streams. Um, we did a lot of stuff where it was just, you know, trying to keep it simple, where we'd, uh, we'd organize like a barbecue fishing trip at a local lake or pond. Um, and we just, we're just trying to, you know, we're just trying to get people outdoors and trying to get people together and just trying to have some you know, some fun in the outdoors and, um, starting to kind of venture into spaces that weren't commonly known as uh, you know, like wheelchair accessible. So it yeah. wasn't very, yeah, it wasn't very hard, but it was, uh, but it was like the impact was, was, was great. Yeah. Uh, did you have much in terms of equipment back then for, disabled individuals or did you have to piecemeal it slowly over time oh yeah definitely didn't have a whole lot of equipment at all i mean in the very beginning it was just a matter of trying to get fishing equipment together and then kind of 
um, putting the, you know, putting volunteers to, to work and, um, and then trying to pick locations that were, uh, like semi accessible, um, where we knew we could get to a, the bank of a lake or something like that. So, yeah, but we didn't really have yeah. any, we, we, yeah, just the bare bones essentials, um, to get started with. Yeah. When did you guys, uh, what year did you guys start venturing into hunting? Oh, I mean the same, the same time frame, like 2005, probably some of our wilder adventures were in 2005 and six and seven and eight, because we didn't really have a whole lot of, uh, structure and we were just trying to make it happen and we were just trying to figure it out. And so we would take people on these hunts that, um, I mean, it was very organic. It was like, you know, I mean, we'd go out into the middle of these ranches and stuff and just kind of figure it out. I mean, there were times where people were strapped down in the bed of a super duty and, um, it had rained four <laughs> inches and we're, we're, you know, we're in the middle of this branch. Uh, I remember one experience in particular with this guy, Chris, a friend of mine, and I think it was a dove hunt, but it turned into, it wasn't about the dove hunt because by the time we got into it, I mean, this ranch was a big ranch. It was 33,000 acres and we were, we were wow. trying to make it around this mesa, um, on this ranch road, just these little ranch roads. And, and, uh, we were running into puddles that were, you know, 150 foot long and just deep and he and I were both strapped down in the bed of the pickup truck. <laughs> and so, uh, gosh, it was, it was wild. It was, it was a quite the adventure, but yeah, that, that was kind of, that's kind of how the early days of hunting were. Yeah. It was just, just trying to figure it out, trying to figure out how to get there, trying to get to places. Yeah. You know, yeah. Get to places. <laughs> hey, that works. Um, what type of hunting did you, you offered the dove hunting. Did you just try and uh, loop it all together with the hunting and just offer everything? Or did you just try and just target certain specific uh, ventures in the beginning? I mean, we were just trying to get out there. We were just trying to get out and hunt. We weren't very, you know, uh, but we were just trying to get out. We were, we were hunting and fishing and camping and like, um, just trying to get outdoors. So it wasn't really, um, specific to bird hunting or yeah. big game hunting or anything. I mean, we all, we all have like a, I guess a lot of us that kind of got the organization going and myself included kind of, we enjoyed the bird hunting, but we really kind of liked, uh, like the big game hunting a lot more, especially yeah. like since you can fill your freezer with a bunch of elk meat and we like to cook it. And so I got to shoot a lot I of ducks to try and account for yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, I didn't go out this year, but last year, um, my cousin and I went out and it was opening second day of opening day. And we emptied a box and a half each. And I only harvested one dove. So <laughs> yeah, I understand that way too much. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to rub any salt in those wounds, but 
I kind of got out. I kind of got over dove hunting after one day we sat there and we shot so many dove that by the end of the day, we had to sit there at this water tank and clean them all. <laughs> and then that was just like, holy cow. And we, we cleaned up for hours. And um, and it was just a, a feathery mess. And <laughs> Yeah, right. And, yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know. I could have got one deer. That would have been a lot better. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I noticed those things are really easy to pluck. But, yeah. How, what's the limit for dove out in New Mexico? Uh, that's a good question. Honestly, I haven't hunted them really since that day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I, uh, yeah, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to get it wrong, but it's in the teens, I believe, per person. Yeah. Yeah, fifth, yeah. And if you got five or six guys, that's a lot of birds. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, other than the dove hunting that you're not going to do again, what other type of uh, game hunting do you offer? Uh, our, I mean, our like kind of what we really like to do um, personally and professionally is uh, mule deer hunting, elk hunting, mm. antelope hunting, and oryx hunting. So, just kind of big game hunting. That's kind of what we focus on nowadays it's just all all, all the four big, of those are on my hit list <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's kind of the that's the primary stuff we do nowadays we don't do much other much other hunts but just the big game hunts yeah do you guys have whitetail out there uh there are a few on the on the, like the texas border on wet in uh, I guess eastern New Mexico, but we mm. don't uh, we don't really we don't really hunt for them. It, I don't know. There's not a lot of them. Yeah, out here they're like uh, rabbits. Literally, opening day of uh, bow season started, and I harvested, which is a first for me, a big doe. She gave me about fifty pounds this year. And I've been chasing after a buck that hasn't shown up yet. Man, so. you know, I had a friend that went to Oklahoma. And I've, I've, I've got friends in Oklahoma and Texas, too. So I, kinda, I hear what you're saying. But I had a friend that went to Oklahoma and shot um, a couple white-tailed deer and brought them back. And he shared some of the meat with me. And they were, they were delicious, dude. They are outstanding. Like, I, I loved it, you know? I, I think that's the cultural norm of uh, not having the meat that you don't get normally and then getting something from a part of the country where you normally would never get it. And you're like, this is the most delicious meat ever <laughs> because you're so used to yours. Well, and I just think that maybe, um, I mean, our deer out here, a lot of times they're, uh, you know, they're eating uh I think it might have to do a lot with their diet. Like the deer out here are eating, I mean, they're, they're, uh, browsers. So they're eating like bushes and, and, um, mm -hmm. and sometimes out here we, you know, we uh, oftentimes don't get a whole lot of water, rain, precipitation. Mm -hmm. And so what they eat is they just eat a bunch of rough bushes and stuff. And, uh, 
And I think I think maybe that might have something to do with it. Where like back east, some of the whitetail are they get into cornfields and they got like a, a acorns and they got a bunch of great food to eat that makes their yeah taste even better. You know, because our deer yeah our deer are tasty, but I like them as jerky. I think they they make fantastic jerky, but that whitetail that I ate from Oklahoma was. Gosh, it was fantastic. It was like a steak, you know? Yeah. We have, uh, near where I hunt, I have a private land that's in t- in a city limit, so you can only use bow, but just literally about t- a two-minute drive down the road, there's a field which is normally either corn, soybean, or pumpkin like it was this year, and they love that stuff. They go to town on it. Mm. It's it's hard keeping them in unless you can get some sort of a plute plot, but I didn't do that. I just had natural grass of the field with a bunch of clover mixed in, and they go to town on it. I saw seven doe this year. Obviously, I took one of them, which was a fun shot. <laughs> now, do you use do you personally use compound or crossbow or uh, I mean, uh, me personally, like, I grew up bow hunting, um, uh, I don't know, since I was 13 or so, I'd been bow hunting New Mexico for elk and deer and antelope and stuff. And, and then after I was in a motorcycle wreck and I ended up in a wheelchair, uh, it didn't seem super feasible. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it is feasible, but it's not, I like to. I like to eat the animals that I'm hunting. So I went into rifle yeah. hunting. So now I rifle hunt uh, predominantly. So nice. Yeah. I'm trying to, to got a family of three and we love to eat wild <laughs> game. So yeah, they'd be well, pissed if I was I gotta, there chasing them with a stick and string and coming home with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've seen some pretty good, uh, disabled archers out there. I mean, literally sitting in there getting some nice shots off from a ground blind. Yeah. You guys use ground blinds out there or you guys use going from a ground setting and shooting with a rifle. Well, I mean, hunting out West, there are opportunities to like sit water holes, like where you could sit like Mm -hmm. a water tank or something and you could do kind of some blind hunting. But the majority of the hunting we do is kind of, we glass like optics are a big deal out here. So we glass mile away, a uh, mile and a half away. Uh, we try and locate animals, um, uh, put a stock on. Uh, we also, you know, when the elk are in the rut, we're trying to call, which you're moving and you're, you're constantly kind of moving and playing this cat and mouse game with them. Trying to, uh, uh, trying to call them in, trying to, you know, act like you're a, another bull elk or, or cow elk and um, trick them, mm-hmm. essentially. But it yeah. takes a lot of movement. So so it's not so much like it's it's covering a lot of – and a lot of times the ground is like pretty open territory where your shots are, you know, are 400 yards or so. And, I mean, the animals can see you from that far away. So, yeah, yeah. So 
it, it can make it kind of tricky. It's not, it's not a, I think it's a different kind of hunting just because the way the terrain is laid out. Yeah. It's a lot different than what I've seen with, uh, people I've talked to out of Utah, Colorado, Montana, or just seen out of Montana and Wyoming, how it's more, uh, rugged. There's uh, lots of valleys and hills and everything else involved. Yeah. A lot less, a lot more terrain you have to climb out there. There's a lot of terrain. There's, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would think that a lot of those other places too, I, I guess it just depends on where you're at, right? Like what yeah. we do have our valleys and we do have, you know, those kind of situations that aren't so rough, but, uh, where we hunt in particular, it's, yeah, we, we mostly hunt kind of the mountains and the mesas and like the oh, nice. rough, rough country, it's, but it's beautiful, beautiful country. Yeah. You ever think you'd be going uh, mountain goat hunting? Uh, no, I've never even tried to go mountain go- goat hunting. <laughs> <laughs> that's my uh, that's on my to do list because, and it's not really for the goat. It's for to prove to myself that I can actually ascend and descend the mountain, looking for the that animal with the way my feet are. I was born with bilateral club feet. I've had surgeries, but I've got stress fractures on my shins. I don't have much control of my feet at all. So balance is a giant issue. So that to me would be you now like the ultimate goal just just to be able to stock one. What, uh, what kind of, what, I mean, there's, when you say mountain goat, what, what, uh, their kind of mountain goat. I for I don't even know. I'm just looking for. Uh, I would think the Alaskan mountain goat would be one of them. The is a doll goat mountain goat, right? Uh, yeah, the doll sheep. Because we do yeah. have like the Rocky Mountain bighorn and the desert bighorn. Yeah. Ah, and, those are the ones I was thinking of. Sorry, I was multiple thinking here. <laughs> well, I think they're all goats. You know, at the end of the day, I yeah. believe the doll sheep the the sh- well, uh, sheep are probably the sh- yeah the billies and nannies with the goats and I forget what they called the sheep. Sorry, I'm not positive either. But honestly, when I think yeah. of goat hunting, what uh, the way people talk about it around here is, I mean, the the goat family like there's antelope they call goats. Yeah. Which I guess technically probably not a goat. Rocky Mountain no. bighorn sheep probably not a goat. Um, um, desert bighorn sheep, yeah. and then, uh, that's what we have out here is antelope, desert bighorn sheep, and Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep. But a lot of people call them all goats. So whatever, whatever yeah. that is, the antelope would I call the uh, goat, and then the other ones would be mountain. Yeah, <laughs> I believe. The antelope is a pronghorn, which is a very the only species of its kind in North America. Actually, a resident. I think Rocky Mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah the uh, the antelope, which a lot of people think came from Africa, is actually a North American animal. Yeah, pretty, it's the only one fast. of its kind. Yeah, 
pretty fascinating. Great, great fun to hunt. My dad drew a tag this past year, and we were able to go hunt uh, hunt for antelope. And Aww. he was well, got one. Ah, oh, and they're delicious, man. We were eating some antelope backstrap the other night. Yep. Great oh, fun. That. I was just looking it up for mountain goats. They're literally just called mountain goats. <laughs> <laughs> They're not like uh, the Rocky Mountain uh, sheep and uh, the dull sheep. They're the ones with the full curled rant, uh, horns. But the mountain goat is the one with the really short horns that uh, only stick up about that far off their head or so. They're all white. And they got like billies and nannies on that one. And I know from watching a few TV shows, there's like one where you're only getting, you get a, a tag one every seven years, I think. If you if you get picked, you can only hunt it once every seven years. But that's if you kill a billy or you're unsuccessful. If you kill a nanny, it is game over. You can't draw anymore. Hmm. Yeah, I think I know the those little white furry ones that you're talking about. Yeah, and they've got a lot more fur than most people think. They're they a lot thicker fur. Most people think, oh, I'm aiming for you know mid body or something, and instead it's the actual top of their shoulder, and they miss completely. Hmm. But yeah. I said the mountain goat for me would be my ultimate one that I want to go for, but that. Obviously, it's just a challenge on my feet. Getting back to base camp would be fun, and I'd be uh, sitting down the rest of the time. Right. Well. Yeah. Right. Walk. Yeah. Walk. Walking for me is fun on the occasion. Mm hmm. So, uh, what type of equipment do you guys have now? Have you acquired any adaptive equipment since then? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, we've, we've acquired quite a bit. So, uh, some of the stuff's not super complicated. Like for a lot of our fishing trips, we use a, a 24 foot pontoon boat and we, uh, we fish Navajo Lake, which is here in New Mexico. And we've just kind of customized the way the deck is set up, which is basically not having a lot of furniture in the way so that wheelchairs yeah. and stuff could roll around. Uh, so we take people yep. out there and we fish for salmon, bass, pike, um, trout, brown trout. We caught a 34 uh, inch brown trout this last, last season. And, um, nice. yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty nice leg. And then we also use a pond or a, a drift boat that's all customized and it's wheelchair accessible. That that's a pretty cool adaptive piece of equipment. And, um, we float down the San Juan River, and we teach people how to fly fish. So okay. that's that's pretty cool. And then um, on land, we've we've kind of acquired several different kinds of adaptive cycles with e-assist motors, electric motors. So we run the bowheads, which is a a really uh, really cool bike which there's kind of a couple kinds there's there's one that has a, a kind of a true e-assist mountain bike feature which they call the rx and then yeah. there's one that they that's essentially like an electric kind of dirt bike 
and that's just called the bowhead reach. And we have several of those and we use those to get into the mountains and to get around. We use them as tools, you know, we, so we do rides and where we just go ride and stuff, but then we also use them for like hunting and fishing and, um, wildlife viewing and just accessing different kinds of areas. Yeah. And then we have the other one, we have the reactive adaptation bikes from, uh, Colorado. They make some awesome cycles up there. Well, we're actually waiting on our third one. We have two right now, but we're waiting on the third one and those are called Makos. And it's just basically these cycles are three wheel drive or not three wheel drive. They're three wheel trikes, rear wheel drive with a tadpole design. So two wheels in the front and one in the back. So all your weight is on your rear wheel. And then you have electric motor to power that thing. Um, and then with full suspension. Wow. Um, So they're super capable. Um, and then we also have the other kind, which is a lasher, which is one wheel in the front, two in the back, but, uh, really like the tadpoles, the two wheels in the front and the one in the back. And we use those, I mean, we'll go 40 miles, 45 miles, and we'll go, you know, through all kinds of different terrain, um, uphills, downhills, over rocks, through, through a bunch of different stuff to get off road and go and, uh, access places and do things that, um, wouldn't be possible without that adaptive equipment. Yeah. You guys ever think about getting a track chair or a coyote? Uh, a coyote, a coyote from Outrider. Yeah. 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 We've thought about that. Cause I was out on, uh, actually went and helped volunteer to go help Chad. Uh, Chad had a gal come down to New Mexico to hunt elk this past October. And I went down and yeah. helped and volunteered on stuff on that. And I got to see that outrider and I thought that would be a pretty handy piece of equipment. So, um, I wrote a grant to try and get one. I would like to have one of those to add to our, especially with the quad grips because it's, it's a pretty functional vehicle for, yeah. for folks that, that need the quad grips. Yeah. It looked like fun as heck to take into a river. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what you need. If you really want to get into this stuff, you got to have, you got to have a, a badass piece of adaptive equipment. Yeah. The track chair, it's nice, but they say it's slow and obviously it's a tank on wheels versus some of the other things, but the ones they're coming out with that are not track chairs. I mean, those things are, ripping fast and they're powerful in its own right. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, that's what we, that's kind of the direction we went. I, I mean, I could see like, um, I could see the track chair serving a purpose, but we haven't, I, I don't know. I don't know if it would really fill our needs. We, we want something a little more maneuverable and not so big and, uh, and faster, Yeah, you know, yeah. So that's how because a lot of times we're going 40, like I said, I mean, we'll do 40 miles, you know, and uh, I don't know how long it would take the track to to go 40 miles. Yeah. You want to cover a lot of ground really fast and the track chair, it would work for certain applications, but for this sort of thing, you'd want more speed 
and agility. And I mean, yeah, I mean, the track chair, I absolutely know. I know a young man that I've helped with uh, hunts and he has a track chair and it totally does serve a purpose because he's been hunting on mm-hmm. it and it's served him well. So it does serve a purpose. It's just not, it's just not quite the same direction we've been going with the way we're, and we can only do so much. You have to pick and choose when you don't have like a, a, uh, a warehouse, you know, the size of a, <laughs> you know, like we, we we only have limited space, so it's like we can't get all the different things. So we kind of pick what we think works the best for what we do. And so far, the things that we like the most are the bow heads, the reactive adaptations, and the the lashers. You know, they work great for what we do. All right, thank you, buddy. Son made a snowflake for me. Ah, oh, it's a good boy. Heck yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, do you guys use any adaptive equipment in terms of like sights, or scopes, or is it ja or uh, good lord rests? Yeah, we did. Um, we did get. So we had a, a friend of mine who's uh, he's blind, and his wife helps him shoot. And so we bought like the be adaptive equipment um, Mm -hmm. and we bought a, I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically essentially a a screen that hooks up to the scope. Yeah. And then his wife could see on the screen what the scope was seeing and help direct him into, um, into where he was trying to shoot. And I've seen other people use that equipment and we've ha- helped other people use that equipment. But, and, um, and that, uh, that's some pretty sophisticated stuff. Um, yeah, I know, um, uh, if we're talking about the same person, Daniel Ferrero, the blind guy. Yep. No, Mike Sanders. Oh, Oh, D- Oh, Look yeah, he was talking about... Yeah, I remember I was talking to Dan Ferrero. He was a guest at Chad's, which I had uh, when he went down for the teal hunt. And then I had him on my podcast this past year. And Dan was talking about how he contacted, I believe it was Mike, about the adaptive equipment needed for hunting and shooting. And that's how he got started with his stuff. That's probably right, yeah. Mike is probably the one that helped him out and set him up. Yeah. Because I remember so like, that's cool. I mean, talking about some other folks. Yeah, he always is trying to help other people too. So that that's probably how that yeah. works. Yeah, that's what I like about this community. We're all about helping everybody else. It's no matter cool. what. Yeah, I mean that's what you got to do. You got to have each other's backs. You know, everybody's got to help each other. Yeah, I know a lot of it is and in getting it started and whatnot. There's not as much in terms of understanding the resources, but once you start getting into everything from my perspective as a podcast host, I saw there wasn't a lot of uh, media, but it's very, I see the media is very limited. There's a small niche for it and there's only maybe on my account about a handful, maybe more of people actually doing it. But, I've noticed I've been able to find them all basically. 
It's good, man. It's good. It's it's. I think you know. It's been interesting um, watching watching kind of everybody develop. Uh, uh, like you kind of mentioned, Chad. He's kind of he's kind of the uh, a big you know front runner in that that area. At least, yeah. He's one of the, one of the pioneers. I, yeah, one of the first guys I met that was especially trying to do it with the media. Mm-hmm. Like I. I always kind of, I've always kind of run this organization without doing any kind of media. We've just always done it. Um, just we're just not very good at the media. We're good at hunting. We're good at like the business side of things. But but yeah. the new new age like media business and social media business is something we're kind of trying to get better at. So we try and do more <laughs> in that. Yeah, room. yeah. I I, under- I understand that one way too well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's just, you want to get you want to get up there, but you understand it takes a lot of time and patience. I mean, yeah, you've been around since two thousand five. Chad's been around for I can't even remember off the top of my head, but I know he's been around since uh, he tried uh, making Able Outdoors a magazine. Mm-hmm. So that was for been a while now, and yeah. I mean, it's just it takes time to build up that much clout, basically, in order to get into the business or any business for that matter, or even a nonprofit or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, no, that's all right. It's yeah. Well, nothing comes easy, right? Everything comes with hard no. work. Mm, all the all you slack the best off, thing- you don't get it much. All the best things in life come with hard work. So I guess that's, uh, you know, just one of those things that you can, you can rest easy on knowing that as long as you're putting in that hard work, then you've got a chance. Yeah. Right. Now, from your perspective and seeing outdoor media for disabled individuals grow as it has, do you think that within the next few years we'll be able to actually see something like on the mainstream or is that going to take do you think feel like that's going to take a little bit longer uh you know i think that i think that like uh it's a good question that's actually a very good question i think that i think that with the developments and adaptive technology that there's the potential we'll see how Mm -hmm. it unfolds but there's the potential for it to become more of a, <clears throat> I don't know, mainstream, but um, or more popular type of hunting because uh, just because you're you're so much more able with yeah. adaptive technology, it's not so much like the, you know, the uh, canned hunt, if you will, that you can actually get out and do like a real hunt. You know, you can use yeah. this adaptive equipment and you can go challenge yourself. You can put yourself yeah. up against the elements and the terrain and uh, against the ant, like, you know, that's from my perspective. I mean, that's hunting for me. Like, that's how I grew yeah. up. And that's what I love. Like, I love yeah. it. I don't, I don't necessarily just enjoy just like the, the easy hunts. I like it to be hard. And I want to get back in there. You know, I want to be far yeah. in mountains in the wild parts of the country and 
And so I think adaptive technology is kind of offering us that opportunity. And, you know, all you guys, media experts, how you guys take it from there, it'd be pretty, it's going to be very interesting. Man, and I like to have, yeah, oh, sorry. I, highlighting that equipment too, you know, cause I mean, it's, it's game changing equipment. Like it changes yeah. people's lives, whether they hunt or not, the equipment changes the way they, they mobilize in the outdoors. Yeah. I've seen some of the e-bikes. They're able to like pull a freaking black bear out of the woods on a sled. So to be able to operate that an e-bike or whatnot and operate it similar or one of your pieces of equipment and operate it like it's uh, got a sled behind it or something and you bag your animal, say, hopefully it can haul out a, elk or whatnot but if you break it down enough or black bear or anything like that and you just haul it down the mountain with you in tow that'd actually be kind of cool yeah Save on mean, backpack space yeah i mean there's there are little trailers and stuff yeah i mean you're basically i guess like you're more capable right you're more capable you're mm -hmm. more handy you can you can contribute more to not just the actual harvesting, not the like initial yeah. initial part of the harvest, but actually like the full harvest. I mean, it's always yeah. good to know how to break down your animals, how to get your animal out of the woods, how to how to call your. I mean, that's the whole experience. You want to be able to do it all. Yeah, you want to know how to hunt. You want to know how to call. You want to know how to shoot. You want to know how to persevere, and then you also want to be able to help. Mm -hmm harvest and bring that animal out of the woods and then you know and then at the end of the day when all the work is done your family and you and your friends and stuff are eating it and, and you're you're consuming fantastic you know table food, high grade, grade protein high high quality grass-fed right. elk you know it's amazing it's great that's that's right like, yeah so the more the more a person with a disability can be involved in the full circle of that whole process is, is, uh, is great, man. It's, and it makes it just that much better. Yeah. So that brought me a, a thought of a question is on your hunts, how many people on average are attending the hunt or helping out with the hunt? So, uh, like the way we do our hunts. Okay. So we don't do, we don't take a whole lot of people. We're not an outfitter or anything. Our, and our whole business isn't just based on hunting. We do a whole lot of other stuff like hunting's yeah. just like a portion of what we do. And what we do okay. primarily is we give away probably, I don't know. I gave a, a tag away today, an elk tag to a disabled veteran. Nice. Um, and we give away maybe 15 tags a year here in New Mexico for mostly elk, deer, um, and antelope, occasional or yeah. oryx. And then a couple times a year, we get together with a group of volunteers who most of our volunteers are like part-time big game guides. You know, they, they do it. They all like have professions, but they also can professionally guide during the fall months. So maybe we'll get yeah. together with like three or four guys and we'll do a couple hunts where we just, we really try and just help someone and we just volunteer our time and try and make their elk hunt epic, you know? All right. So 
you guys just go out and just walk, walk me through the process of an actual hunt that you would attend and you guys would be helping that special individual get there, say first elk or whatnot. All right. So, all right. So say you've got, you get an elk tag here in New Mexico. <clears throat> you've got to get yourself here mm -hmm. and you've got to get yourself to whatever cabin. We're probably going to get a cabin because, um, unless you're really all about it, then we'll camp Man, we're, we're not afraid to mm -hmm. camp, but you know, Cabins were pretty, like a semi-accessible cabin can be pretty convenient for a wheelchair. So yeah, we get this cabin close to where we're going to hunt. You get yourself there. You get yourself there and then, and then uh, you'll show up. Um, we'll probably take you out. We'll go show you what we've already kind of found. We've probably found some elk because we're mm -hmm. already been scouting and kind of working and, and, uh, figuring the area out and working with our friends in the area that live down there and the ranches and stuff that are there. And then, uh, try and give you the experience. You go out, we'll go like bugling elk is awesome. I don't know if you've ever heard them, but it's a fantastic. Oh, thing. I have. Yeah. It's super cool. So we'll probably go out in the evening and like, listen to the elk bugle and maybe call a little bit and, um, locate some for the morning. Um, mm -hmm. go, go back to the cabin, cook some steaks, have some dinner, uh, get our game plan, get up early in the morning, leave probably depending on how far we got to travel, but you know, you want to be there in the dark. You want to be wherever you're yeah. going to hunt. You want to be there in the dark. So get up early, uh, bring, bring a little bit of food with us. Um, and then go be where we want to be in the dark, listen, kind of locate the elk. Maybe if we have a, a really good game plan like we did a couple years ago when I was hunting these things and brought those cycles, uh, we got there like two hours before the sun came up. We had a spot we wanted to be at when the sun came up, got on the cycles, uh, had the volunteers helping uh, friends helping and then we rode in the dark on those cycles for about an hour and a half or so wow and then got to this ridge and the elk were just screaming i mean they're bugling and it's like still pitch black and we had to just kind of sit there and wait for the the sun to come up but we were where we wanted to be in the morning you know nice uh, so we do that kind of stuff uh, and then it's just kind of rinse and repeat. We do that every day. So you get done hunting in the morning, usually the afternoon or the noon day is kind of with elk and deer, it can be kind of slower. So maybe if you need to get a nap mm -hmm. or, a lunch or something, take a little break and, and hunt the evening again. Yeah. Um, but you really hunt the, the mornings and the evenings, super early mornings. Um, the first, I mean, the first hour of light and the last hour of light are your best, best hunting times. So we make yeah. sure that we're during those times. And then, and then we're barbecuing and we're hanging out and having fires and eat, eating mm. good food and going to bed early oh, and yeah. doing it again. All right. So what is your uh, success rate for those type of hunts? 
Oh, I don't know. I mean, shoot, it's all over the place. I mean, opportunity rate is very high. Like you got a really uh, good, you got a really good chance. You know, if you miss, it's on you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess our, I guess you could say our success rates, you know, like pretty high. But mm-hmm. don't be fooled. It's going to be up to you at the end of the day. Yeah. I've taken now you guys offer them a chance to. Oh. Yeah, oh, sorry, you can go. I've seen people miss, you know, that, like you know, prime time opportunities at uh, elk and stuff, and that's okay. It's a, it's a heart pounding moment, you know. Yeah, it's, it's hard to uh, it's really hard to imagine when all you've seen is it on a hunting video, and then all of a sudden it's happening in front of you, and you have a a drooling bull elk chasing mm-hmm. twenty cows, and he's got you know, this great ginormous rack and he's, uh, and he's not sticking around and you've no. got, a, you've got a five, 10 seconds to make it happen. Yeah. It's and you know, it's 150 yards away, which is you know, a chip shot with a rifle, but Oof. yeah, but yeah, people, people, <laughs> understandably you're, you know, that's a moment. Yeah, that's a big animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why it's on my uh, list of things to uh, hunt in the near future. Hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, they're awesome, man. They're I, yeah, you should absolutely try and put in for put in for those elk tags because they are great fun to hunt and they are great tasting animals. Right now, yeah. for the rifles, are you guys supplying the rifles, or they bring their own? Uh, they bring their own, bring your own rifle. Okay. I mean, I bring, we bring a couple for backup, you yeah. know, but, um, technically like you probably want to be more comfortable with your own rifle, but there'll be one I'd there for you if you, you yep. need it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a high powered rifle in my house yet. <laughs> It's one of those things that's on the to-do list that uh, the wife said, no, not this year. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. When your birthday's coming up, put, put that up. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, $1,200 rifle with a four, uh, $600 scope and all the fun yeah. shenanigans involved. <laughs> Honestly, honestly, the key to hunting out west, you just hit on a very good point, is flip those numbers. Spend $600 on your rifle and spend that $1,200 on your scope. Ah. You need good glass. Like, you need good optics. Glass is going to be your good friend. You can pick up, I think, a Ruger yeah. Predator for around 600 bucks. Good. Yeah. Good. But you want good optics. You want good glass. You want a good scope. That will make yeah. it. You, you ever think about getting uh, the Omega Sights? The like, rangefinder mix? Oh, no, man. I've never thought of that. And maybe that might be a little above my pay grade. I've, I've heard of I uh, saw a price tag on those. <clears throat> yeah. I, I saw the price tag on those. And, and it was, I think, five ninety nine for one. Uh, five so. hundred ninety nine or five thousand. 
599. Oh. Well, that's not too outrageous, man. No, the it's damn, not actually. The uh like Zeiss and Swarovski and uh, you know, Leopold and stuff, like you you could spend $2500 on your scope pretty easily. Yeah. A uh, buddy of mine, he's uh, big into firearms, and he was talking about you want to spend, I think he said twice, yeah, like you said, twice as much as you did for the rifle, basically, and that's your scope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, get a Remington 700 or, I mean, a Ruger or something. Just get a good rifle. But, yeah, spend, yeah, like your buddy said, spend spend your money on your on your glass, on your scope make a difference yeah and then when you got your scope with your uh cheapish rifle then later on you're like you know what i want that expensive rifle now i've got the scope i can put it on the expensive rifle now yeah yeah you could always do you could always upgrade any piece of uh your game or your components later on but yeah yeah, up front, you just that's the key is just a good, yeah, yeah good, good glass is an important part of it. Yeah, so you were saying that you guys offer uh, not only hunting and fishing, but what are the things I know I've read about therapeutic, uh, recreation, wheelchair basketball, archery, uh, trekking. Uh, is there anything else that included or those have their own special unique categories? Yeah. I mean, those are all things we do. So we're like, you know, we work with our local spinal cord injury hospital out here. We have support group meetings and like peer mentoring. And like you said, bowling, I think we just went bowling last week. Um, we do archery, we go to soccer games and baseball games, and we're just trying to keep people involved. And then we try and work with people that have, our new injuries and we try and go and uh, help them get back into school, back to work, um, you yeah. know, get, get the kind of adaptive equipment they need for them to get around their homes. We're, mm -hmm. we're all about the whole thing. Like I call it the continuum of life. So it's everything. It's your family. It's your house. It's your school. It's your work. It's your, it's everything, you know? And at the yeah, end of the I day, the, yeah, the hunting and the fishing and stuff is kind of like a, I mean, that's like, you know, the fruits of your labor, I guess you will. But like, those are like, those are, and, and, and maybe you don't like hunting or fishing, maybe you like mountain biking, maybe you like something else, you know, but those are all the kind of yeah. things that like, uh, you're, those are the things you're striving to get to do, you know, that you want to do You're those are the motivation. Those are the things that you live for, you know, but it takes everything else to get there. Takes yeah. that hard work, that school, that that work, you know that. Uh, yeah, that family, that you know, that figuring yeah. it out. So we try and help people with that. Yeah, and which leads me, I'm not leading. I'm actually just thinking about this. What's the? Uh, how do you guys primarily get funding for your stuff, your programming, and everything? Is uh, it basically so got, just donations? Uh, you got to be creative, others. man. Yeah, you got to be creative. So, uh, so I I'm, I do a lot of grant writing. Um, so mm -hmm. I write a lot of grants. 
we do do some fundraising and some donations. And then we also try and work, like, uh, we try and set up business deals where we work with like the hospital mm-hmm. as a business partner, or we work with our, uh, our state as a business partner where we help with like the state. I write the fishing report for our state. Um, mm-hmm. And that helps support all the fishing uh, opportunities that we can provide for people with disabilities. So you've got to just, it's just creative like development, you know? Yeah. Uh, and we uh, diversify like our funding mm-hmm. base. Is not, there's not any one little yeah. part of our funding base. We have multiple. Yeah. Now, um, is this, I tend to ask this for, uh, Nonprofit into people, uh, not profit. Wow, you can't tell. I'm now starting to crash. Been up since five, uh, three o'clock this morning, so <laughs> it's six my time. <laughs> but uh, for you, is this your primary job, or do you have a job outside of the? Uh, uh yeah, this has. Uh, yeah, it's gotten to be about my primary job. I mean, I do a little bit of like work with the, the game and fish, um, as a contractor through this, but yeah, they, I mean, this, this whole organization is my primary job. Yeah. And you get to do a lot of fun stuff with it, obviously. And, and I would love to come out and actually chat with you in person. That'd be a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. It is cool, man. I do enjoy what I do. Like I, uh, I love what I do. That's what they say. Find something you love and you'll do it good. And this is what I love and I think I do pretty good. And, um, you know, but it is not all uh, hunting and fishing. There are days and days and days on top of days spent in the office and, you know, reporting, working on the computer and, and that's just what it takes, right? So it's all right, baby. I, I yeah. do it. I do it because the fruits, <laughs> right. of, the fruits of the labor are worth it. So, um, yeah, it is cool. And I do hope you can get out here someday too, man, because it'd be great to have you. And, and I think you would like it out here. It's pretty cool. I I think my wife would out, like it out there more than me. She likes warm weather. <laughs> well, bring her and bring the kid too. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, well, that's the plan. She wants to go on vacation next year, so. Well, come so to New Mexico. I could t- no, it's not very expensive. Well, New Mexico, Texas. Yeah. Nah. New Mexico, Texas, and Florida. I want to go up to Michigan, so also one of the places. <laughs> come during the yeah, summer. Yeah, I'm thinking hunting. Yeah, like if oh, you're coming summer? hunting, I mean, if you're coming for hunting, then that's a whole different deal and you got to draw your tags. But if you're coming just on a vacation yeah. and want to spend some time and bring your wife and kids and stuff, come during the summer, man. You'll have a ball out here. There's some awesome places to go visit and I could show nice. you, show you all around. Nice. Well, I can definitely mention that with the wife. Go out on the so, boat and fishing and oh. stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, where do you see yourself uh, not your uh, go unlimited in five years? Wow, man, that's a loaded question, huh? Like I, I kind of, I, I like that. Isn't that one? I try and uh, 
I just try and look at the next step that's in front of me right now. And, uh, I mean, I would like to see, obviously just like what anybody else would like to see with their organization in five years, you'd like to see it thriving at, uh, at a level of like, uh, maybe times 10 or times a hundred. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, right now all I can really focus on is the next step in our progress. And that is next summer, next summer, I would really like to see our, 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 um, our participation in the cycling and, um, really expand a lot. The fishing and, and the hunting and everything is going good, but I would really like to see the next summer cycling programming expand tremendously and, and be able to really branch out into some of the other more beautiful parts of our state and expose people to stuff that they've never seen before that have never yeah. been accessible to people in wheelchairs before. So that's kind of my goal right yeah. now. Now, have you ever actually with your, uh, nonprofit or just personal life interacted with somebody who has non spinal cord or wheelchair problems, but similar like me or, a few other people I've known where we're actually more, f- we can walk, but we can't walk well, or we can walk well for a short period of time or. Yeah. Oh no, I totally get it, man. No, we, we, that's why we kind of left our, uh, like our mission statement pretty vague. It's like helping people with mobility impairments. So yeah, it goes from everything from like someone with you with what, like you got like, um, the club, and then uh, the club feet, right? Like, yeah. What, I mean, what, I've had <laughs> surgeries that allow me to walk. Yeah. But at the same time, it's still there. Like, just this past week, my tendons flare up, and that entire foot is officially out for eight hours plus, and I'm gimping the entire time. Then after that. Or a stress fracture starts getting active, and I gotta ease off of that foot or both feet at the same time, and so I'm walking like a penguin. Dude, we'll throw you in a wheelchair, man. You're going, baby. Like, if you... <laughs> <laughs> so and yeah, to, but to answer your question, like we'll uh, we've taken people with amputees, uh, different kinds of amputees, different kinds of ailments, like you're talking about with uh, legs and bone density and all kinds of different stuff, and then. Even some of the cognitive disabilities, like that's, you know, we're just trying to help where we can, man. It's not like we kind of specialize in the wheelchair stuff, but I feel like once you mm-hmm. specialize in being able to take people in wheelchairs, you are capable of taking a whole lot of other people that could really use that support too. Yeah. To a, like a different degree, me you know? going up and doing the, yeah, doing like that, you said 40 mile trek after 40 miles on hard earth. I imagine my feet would be dead going back from the next 40 miles back with all that meat and whatnot, if, you know, successful harvest or whatnot. Oh, I mean, you'd be toast, but at least like you could use that bike to get to certain places. Now there's some really cool places where you'd be able to get off that bike, walk a hundred yards up to like an Indian ruin, you know, and there's, so there's, there's some things we could do with you that would be easier than uh, than with with other folks, but yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of different degrees to it all, you know. But there's so many cool places, um, and we, yeah, I mean, we visit them all the time. 
we were cutting down Christmas yeah. trees. Uh, we were just cutting down Christmas trees last week, and uh, we went and stopped by. And my mom, my mom, she's seventy. Gosh, what is she? Seventy four. And um, I took her to one of the places we like to hunt, and uh, and as we were driving by, I said, "Well, we found an Indian ruin on this little knob the other day when we were out here." We used to run hound dogs out there a lot. Well, uh, we'd run dogs and we'd catch up mountain lions with hounds, mountain lions and bears and bobcats. Ah. Uh. And so I was telling my mom about this cool little spot we found and she goes, well, I want to see. And so after we got done with the, uh, with the, with the Christmas tree hunting, we came back yeah. with our Christmas trees and I pulled her up and we checked it out and she was wandering around, you know, just, right there on this little knob and there's all kinds of artifacts and stuff. It's just a neat spot. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And there's a yeah. lot of that kind of stuff out there. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I, it, that sounds really amazing. I mean, that's some great territory out there. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about in the beginning of the episode about giving away tags. Mm-hmm. And now you, I think you're saying it was, for specific only people or do you just voluntarily give them to anybody or so it's right now the way it is uh, i don't make the rules so the game and fish the new mexico department of game and fish makes the rules Mm -hmm. and the people that qualify are resident um new mexico veterans first responders and youth okay so so I would like to see something like how they do it up in Wyoming where mm-hmm. we can include like the, the disabled sportsmen. I don't know if you've seen like in Wyoming where they do that. I think I've seen some about that where the tags can be given out to certain disabled, but you have to qualify under a certain con. I don't think it's context. I think it's, a certain qualifications of what they classify as disabled to qualify for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's qualifications for what they deem disabled worthy. Right. Yeah. But you have uh, to have a doctor sign off. Yeah. And whatever level of disability you have to meet that threshold, but, but it mm-hmm. is pretty cool. And I would like to do that out here. And I, I think, I think, we know the right people because I think Ashley, uh, there's a gal named Ashley and I think she works with Chad and she's the one kind of in charge of the Wyoming thing. And hopefully at some point we can kind of add that into our structure here in New Mexico to open up some of these hunts to people with disabilities, because that would be cool. That would that'd be right now. We try and give them to disabled veterans, but there are certain instances where it'd be, It'd be really cool to just help like a normal person with a disability that could use the the help, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And staying on the tags uh, setup, do the people from out of state, they have to purchase their own tags or is that provided fund? Is that provided through like a funding thing? No. So like anything that goes through the New Mexico department and game and fish draw, you guys like everybody's got to draw their tag. They got to pay their fee. Mm-hmm. They got to do their own thing. Every once in a while, um, we get like some um, private land tags, and then we can give those away 
Um, but we can still only give the, the tag away. You still got to pay your state fees, like the state, okay. a certain amount of, uh, you know, like your big came, you like, you got to have a hunting permit to just even be able mm. to hunt hunting or fishing. You got to have a hunting or fishing license, I guess. And then, okay. So you, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I, I know I was like weird and I'm thinking about it making sense that way because you have to buy your hunting license for here. You have to buy your migratory bird license in Indiana. You have then then you have to purchase ducks separately, waterfowl, I know, waterfowl in general, more migratory birds, and then deer is its own complete separate tag. So makes right. sense but you still have to have your hunting license first before you can get your deer license exactly yeah and then if you draw i mean there's a certain amount of a fee for a resident versus a non-resident probably the same thing with your deer yeah well at least well one can hope right I, didn't they say new mexico's tags were some of the cheapest in the country for what they offer, which is the all dad, the elk. And I know I the out of states. I yeah, thought I, I was reading somewhere where I thought I was reading somewhere where the out of state tags, not out of state, the out of state uh, elk, you can get an either or tag. It's not very specific. Specific. And I think you can target spikes too, right? Uh, most of the cow elk, like the antlerless elk tags are for, uh, New Mexico residents, like all of them, I think in the draw. Okay. But if you buy one through a private landowner, that's a different situation. Hmm. Or if you draw on either sex, that's a different situation, but all the straight, uh, antlerless tags, I believe they're all New Mexico resident tags. Yeah. Well, if I'm going to be drawing a tag or attempting to draw a tag this year, and when does the drawing, before we get into that tangent, I want to get into when do you have to draw, uh, purchase the tag itself beforehand? See, you better get on it by March because, okay, uh, or maybe even before then, but it's somewhere around then. Yeah, I haven't looked at it this year, but. Yeah, if you're gonna yeah. put in for out here, you should get in touch with me before before March, probably. And get your okay. plan, get your plans put together. Well, that's a good thing is, is you have my phone number and I have yours, so it's like, hey, right, <laughs> get there you it, go, man. Yeah, it's like I found out. Here's what you need to do, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring me a white-tailed deer, man. <laughs> uh, well, I got a, I got some loin that I can gift. <laughs> or oh, some man. steaks. That'd be great. Yeah, I love, I love that stuff. I know. I think I've yeah. got a. I think I've got to go here in the next. Uh, well, I've got all of December, and then I'm gonna go try and get a um, a cow elk just for meat. I got a bull elk all last of December? year. Yeah. Yeah, I got a bull elk last year, which we're just about done with. And then um, yeah. then I got to go try and get this cow elk just to get fill our freezer back up with elk meat. 
I uh, am jealous of the guys that get elk. Oh, so have you ever eaten it? No, I have not. Uh, hey, bud. <laughs> yeah. Now, with the headset on, he ain't hearing that. He's just sun coming up, wanting something, sun going to, uh, going away. You know the drill on that. <laughs> yeah. I I really need to get my uh uh my suit uh small studio slash hunting room set up so that way I don't use the family computer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we gotta do what we gotta do. I love your your enthusiasm and you're working hard at it, and that's what that's what you gotta do to get it going. That's what we all have to do to get anything going in life is we gotta right. work with what what we got, you know. So. So hell yeah, well, dude. More power to you. Uh, well, <laughs> do you want to tell our list the listeners uh where to find uh Go Unlimited? Yeah, yeah, go to uh gounlimited.org and that's our website. And uh go to our website and so gounlimited.org and then go from there there'll be some links on the front page and you can go to like Facebook and Instagram. And honestly, we're better at Facebook and Instagram and, and stuff than we are our website because our website requires a web person. So it doesn't have that's why <laughs> nearly the updated stuff that Instagram and Facebook and stuff does. And that's right now why I don't have a website. <laughs> yeah, I know we've got a website, which is good. We need a website, but yeah, it's hard to keep up with where it's so much easier to keep up with your social media stuff. I don't know. I have a hard time doing that. I got like three different social media apps now, like Facebook, Instagram, and go wild. And I'm when I start airing the episodes, I have to constantly think, okay, where do I hit first? When do I put it on this one and this one? And it is fun. Yeah. I just like, cause we, we can post a picture up there real easy and be like, yeah, check it out. We're, so much easier than putting a picture on a website. Right. All right. Well, thank you, Dustin, uh, for coming on. And I hope to see more about you guys in the future from personally, you from Chad, you know, the works and we could uh, meet up in hopefully next year, or if not the year after that or something, get an elk tag drawn or whatnot. Man, thanks, Sean. I appreciate you, brother. And you got my phone number. Just call me, dude, and I'll, I'll be happy to help you, man. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. And remember, everyone, stay adaptive. <laughs>